I want to just uh, open my heart to you, if I can, this morning with regard to the matter of prayer. It is something we all struggle with, do we not? Much has been written about prayer. There's much spoken about prayer, but there is not much prayer prayed. That's the problem. We know that God has ordained it. We know that God has made promises uh, regarding it. But somehow, somehow, there is this natural opposition in us. And I'm, I, I've struggled with this all my life, wondering, Lord, why is it so hard? Well, I, I, I'm sure I don't have the final answer on that, but I want us to turn our attention to Psalm 91 this morning. And I do ask you to open your Bibles, if you have them in front of you, to this wonderful, wonderful psalm dealing with prayer. And I think maybe we can find uh, at least a little glimmer of an answer there about maybe why it's so hard to pray. So the psalmist says in the first verse, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. This verse is the introduction to the theme uh, that follows in the subsequent verses. It speaks about the blessedness of the person who makes God's home his home. Look at it again. He that dwelleth, he that inhabits, he that reposes, he that lives where God lives. That's what he's saying to us here. In the secret place of the Most High, where God lives, he that dwells there shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He takes refuge in uh, the peace of God's presence. He takes refuge in the person of God's uh, nearness. Uh, this theme is something that I think we don't, talk enough about or think enough about regarding prayer. It brings us to where God dwells. It brings us away from the vicissitudes of life, the frightening aspects of living in a sin-cursed world. It takes us to a haven of refuge, a fortress of security. It takes us where we should be dwelling but we don't. We are, we're bringing many problems upon ourselves because we don't avail ourselves of the blessedness and the peacefulness of being in God's presence. The psalmist, in fact, said in the second verse, I will say of the Lord, that's personal, I, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. My fortress, my God, in him will I trust. He declared himself in that verse. He made a personal decision somewhere in his life that that's where he would dwell. And we cannot dwell there 
if we are not going to God there through the uh, uh, taking advantage of the refuge of prayer. That's how we get into God's presence. And we abide there in the shadow, the peacefulness that surrounds his throne. And so in answer to my own questions about why is it so hard to pray, I've come to conclude that perhaps we don't struggle with prayer because we find in prayer that which God ordains to give us, but we find through prayer that we get to go where God puts us in his presence, in his refuge, under the shadow of his wings. Prayer is not primarily to get what God gives us, but to be where God puts us. And I think it is for that reason that Satan doesn't want us to pray, because he doesn't want us in the presence of God. Uh, he, was, he was cast out of the presence of God as Lucifer, who rebelled. He has been denied the presence of God. And his hatred of that, of what God has denied him, he wants to deny us. He doesn't want us to enjoy what he is forbidden to enjoy. And I, I find a lot of help in realizing that prayer puts us in the presence of God. We abide where he abides. We live where he lives. Someday we will be there for all of eternity. But now, in the destructiveness of a sin-cursed world, we can flee there all day long, at all times. Uh, this is not just something we do when we're in harm's way, or when health has failed, or uh, relationships have broken, or plagues uh, come upon us or war sabers rattle. But it's where we go all day long, because Paul told the Thessalonian church to pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean we never get off our knees, or we never open our eyes and look around us, or do a day's work. But it means in the midst of every day's activities, we have the privilege and indeed the responsibility to get into God's presence. Uh, I, I remember I asked my grandfather one time, he, he was the founder of Bob Jones University. I said, Pop, when do you pray? You're so busy. He said, son, I pray as I go. And I think he was saying, I pray without ceasing. There's never a time when my mind and my heart are not in a spirit of prayer, when in the midst of a decision I have to make or an answer I have to give, I don't just say, Lord, help me, show me, make it clear, Lord. It is easy for us earthbound people as we are, and God has put us here for this time. We're where God wants us. And he's put us here with the refuge and the help of prayer. We're like deep sea divers down in the bottom of the ocean. 
And our survival depends upon that oxygen line that takes us to the pump on the boat that pumps the oxygen down to where we have to breathe at the bottom of the sea. If that line is, uh, is harmed, if it is, if it is clogged, we're in fatal danger. So it is with our souls. If that line to God is not open, and if we are not availing ourselves of that access into his presence, not only are the hours tedious and tasteless for us here, uh, they are potentially fatal for us here, fatal for our soul's best interest. Um, the psalmist went from verse 1, where he introduces to the theme of abiding where God abides, living where he lives, to saying, I have decided that's how I'm going to live. And I think that a resolve like that on all of our parts is very helpful to us when we're tempted to forego the place of prayer and the access of prayer. When we are tempted to get so earthbound and bound up in the the daily routines of living, which we all have to deal with. If, if we don't make the decision somewhere, God, I'm not going to fail you in being in the place of prayer and in the habit of prayer and in the daily spirit of prayer at all times through the day. If we don't make that decision, we're going to neglect the benefits of prayer that God ordains that we shall have. And then he goes in verses 3 through 13 that we don't take the time to read, but he talks about all the kinds of things that are potentially available to us when we abide in God's presence, because he's almighty God. He can keep the snake from biting us if he wants to. He can keep the lion from tearing our flesh. He can keep the warfare from ringing down terror upon our heads and our habitats. Uh, he can keep us from all that is, it is perilous to us. He's able to do that. Now, we know from the scriptures that God doesn't always ordain to shield us from harm and danger. You read 2 Corinthians 11, and we hear all about Paul's trials and dangers that he had to experience. We read what danger Daniel in the lion's den had to experience. And, and all of these things, uh, we, we know that God lets his people sometimes go to the stake and, and give their life uh, for the Savior's sake. But we know also that God is able to deliver us from all of these things as he would purpose to do. But I like it when we get down to, uh, to, to verses uh, 14, 15, and 16. God speaks in those three verses to us. The psalmist speaks of his personal a decision that he made to abide in God's presence, that is to pray without ceasing. And then he addresses some unknown person starting in verse three and says, if you will do as I have done, here's what God is able to do to help you 
And then the last three verses, God addresses such a person who makes that decision. Listen to what he says. Because he, that is God, has set his love upon us. Therefore, will I, God, deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. I will let him abide where I abide. I will let him live in my presence. Because he loves me, he has bonded himself to me. God shows special favor toward those who love him enough to make that decision that by God's grace, I'm going to abide in the spirit of prayer all of my waking hours and all of my days. And God says, when you show me that kind of love, I'm going to show you my love. And I'm going to deliver you when the day of your earthly sojourn is over. I'm going to deliver you and set you on high where you have been dwelling by faith all of these years of your earthly life. And I'm going to make my name known to you eternally. I'm going to deliver you from all of earth's stress and woes and sadness and pain and anguish. I'm going to deliver you one day into my very eternal presence. And he says in verse 15, that man who has been doing that for these years of faith, he will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. He is speaking not just about the deliverance of the trouble from earthly woes, but I'm going to deliver him eternally. And ultimately, I'm going to deliver him and honor him. Honor him with what? my eternal abode, my eternal salvation that by faith he received from me when he put his trust in my grace shown to him through Calvary's cross. I'm going to deliver him and I'm going to honor him because he has honored me by caring enough to be in my presence all the days of, my, of his life. I'm going to satisfy him with long life it doesn't mean that only those who live long are being uh, uh, honored by the Lord. But it means that abiding in God's presence puts us in the kind of relationship, in the frame of mind and spirit every day. That puts us in the places and in the circumstances where those who live in sinful indulgence normally spend their lives and with all the dangers that are attendant thereto. And God says, I will show this man who has been in my presence in prayer throughout the days of his life, I'm going to show him my salvation. He will experience no longer in faith, but in fact, I'm going to do this for him. And I like what Spurgeon said, and I'm going to close with this. He said these words expressing the kinds of things I've been trying to express to you. Spurgeon says, true prayer may be described as the soul rising from the earth to have fellowship with heaven. It's taking a journey upon Jacob's ladder, leaving our cares and fears at the foot and meeting with a covenant God at the top. 
very often the soul cannot rise, but has lost her wings and is heavy and earthbound, more like a burrowing mole than a soaring eagle. Of such dull seasons, we must not give over prayer, but must, by God's assistance, assert all of our powers to lift up our hearts.